Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Five Rings to Rule Them All. I'm Sid Ziegler, and this week I'm joined by Tom Bosworth, the Olympic race walker from Great Britain. He competed in Rio in 2016, and while his sixth-place finish was a huge success for him, one of the big storylines coming out of it was his engagement to his now fiance. We talked about that, and also one of the most interesting parts of the conversation was Tom opening up about a very rough patch they had a couple of years ago. Tom suffered an embarrassing disqualification at World Championship in London, and he sunk into depression and had suicidal thoughts. And he talks very openly about that and, and the pressure that we put on ourselves in sports and the role that his relationship played in helping bring him back out of that. Tom will in all likelihood be competing in Tokyo and he'll be one of the 100 plus athletes to watch. So I hope you enjoy my conversation with Olympic race walker Tom Bosworth. I'm thrilled to be joined by world record setter and Olympic race walker Tom Bosworth, who represents Great Britain, but who is joining us this week from a training stint in Australia. Tom, you're leaving Australia just before their summer and headed to winter in England. Don't you have this backward? Uh, well, I do the majority of my training um, outside. So um, even though it's weird celebrating Christmas whilst it's like, 33 degrees or building up to Christmas in this weather, it, it's, uh, it certainly makes a nice change from, well, England is known for rainy, cold weather, and I'm afraid it, it pretty much lives up to that in November and December. That's where you're, you're headed back there, though, after you're, after you're done in Australia, no? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm heading back. I always, you know, it's something really important to me. I always try and spend um, Christmas with my family and, and um, with my friends. So, um, you know... We're away so much, so for me, it's really, really important um, to kind of save those times, save save a few weeks for then. How, how does it? I mean, being an elite level athlete, uh, going to world championships and training, how much are you gone from home? Probably, I'd say best part of six of the twelve months of the of the year. So um, uh, we spend roughly about. Three, two to three of those months at altitude so that's anywhere above about probably 1500 meters um and that's mostly before racing so and then you have to take racing into account and then obviously through the winter when we, we want to put in a lot of mileage uh, it's a lot easier to do that in the sun so hence why i'm here in australia now and then and then probably in january we'll be in south africa again in warmer climates so it can be a real challenge well, I know you have a fiance, and and we'll get into how that all came about in a little bit. But did, does Harry travel with you? Uh, unfortunately, not. Harry is uh, a far better human than I am, and he is a uh, uh, special needs teacher, and so he, you know, just can't have have the holiday that that would re would be required to come away with me. Plus, obviously, all the added expense. Athletics is not. Uh, a big earning sport in terms of money. And so we, we just couldn't even afford to take both of us away anyway. I'm fortunate enough that I get a lot of support anyway and, and, and don't have to pay for most of my travel, which is amazing. So, yeah, Harry kind of would love to come away. You know, we miss each other so much and so, but he just, being a teacher, he just can't afford to take 
the time off, uh, the, the flexibility just isn't there and the demands of his job are just just so much. So as much as I wish he could come away with us, um, uh, you know, he loves his career and he works so hard at that. And, and that's kind of the, the most important thing. Is being away from him a distraction to you as you're training? Is it, does, it, does, it, does it make it more difficult to focus on your training being away from him? Yeah, for sure. I think since I've got older, um, it's kind of become a little bit, a little bit more of a challenge. You know, when you're young and you get to travel the world and you get to see, you know, all these amazing places, and and uh, it's very easy to forget about home and get stuck in your little bubble. Which, you know, when you're young and in a new relationship, that's fine. But it, it becomes a real challenge when ultimately, in the in the near future, we're planning our wedding. We are. Hopefully, planning having children, having um, yeah, just 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 building our family, I guess. And so every, every few months or every few weeks, that gets put on hold because I I get on a plane and fly to another part of the world. You, you're turning thirty soon. What is the uh, you know you're talking about getting older and and life changing? At what point is it like? past your prime in, in this sort of race walking? Um, I think it's a bit like marathon running. I think in the mid-30s mid, um, is kind of where, where your career would start to come to an end at an elite level. But really, endurance sport, you can, you can do until, well, really, you see people of any age doing it. Um, I think that's, that's a great thing. I wouldn't want to carry on at such an elite level because really... I want to, I want to, as I say, do so much more with with Harry and, and another career, I guess. So at some point, maybe even before um, your your competitive ability rules you out of the sport, you you could see yourself just kind of, no pun intended, walking away from the sport because you <laughs> just want to live a different life. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know it. it it does take such a toll on on everything we do, everything from you know when I'm away to even even how you live your life day to day, recovery, you know, not staying out late, drinking, and so on. Um, it's it it takes over your life, and and so yeah, there is there is a lot more I want to do. I'd like to go into media if possible. Um, and yeah, who knows? Who knows where that would take me? It, it's exciting. It's it's a fresh start, I guess. But that won't be for a, for a few years yet, I guess. You, you talk about having your prime in your mid thirties, and I think certainly Americans are used to sports where people's prime is in their twenties. And I think that we don't generally understand a lot about race walking. Just kind of, what is a like a common misunderstanding about race walking that 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 you think people 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 carry, or they just don't something they don't understand about the sport? Um, I think it's I think people here walking, they think oh you know it must it must be slow, it must be uh, you know not that very athletic when really it's just as athletic as as any other sport, if not more challenging because of the. Um, the technical side of it and, and the technical rule, rules that are involved. And I, and I think maybe some people who do watch it and say, oh, you know, 
race walking. Uh, they're all running anyway, perhaps because of a misunderstanding there as well. So, uh, yeah, I think once people learn a little bit more, learn how difficult the rules are, maintaining one foot on the ground, straight leg action as well. It's not it's nowhere near running yet. We're moving at the paces that a lot of people would love to run at. You know, my uh, um, 5K personal best is uh, 18 minutes and 28 seconds walking. That's pretty fast. You know, and you, you, you talked about, you know, keeping your feet on the ground. And, and, and while I certainly, you know, don't want to revisit dark times, I think that part of your story that is particularly powerful is, you know, something that that happened to you that was that was tough. And, and that was the 2017 World Championships. And I know you were you were leading the 20 kilometer race. And I mean, it's in, in your hometown in London and you end up getting disqualified. What exactly happened there? Yeah, that was that was oh, really, really difficult. Uh, you know, it was a home championship. It, it was in front of Buckingham Palace. It was uh, a huge, huge venue and an opportunity for me. I'd finished sixth at the Olympic Games the year before, so I knew I could compete up the very front. And, yeah, I, the, the crowds just took over. So the technical side of it was I was disqualified for, for three of the judges on the, on the, on the 2K lap. Um, gave me a yellow card for having both feet clearly off the ground. And uh, that was about at the 12-kilometre point of, of 20K. And, um, yeah, it, 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 unfortunately, all, obviously, we do laps, so we were doing 10 laps. Um, and, yeah, at 12K, we were... Uh, coming up to the start finish line and the chief judge steps in front of you and, and show, showed me the red card. And it was a shock because, as I say, all three cards came in in one lap. And, and you, you know, you train all, all year round. And as we've just spoken about, we spend so much time away from home, all for, you know, for athletes, almost one day a year. In 2017, it was the World Championships, 2016, the Olympic Games, 2018, you know, if you're lucky enough, we had Commonwealth Games and European Championships and so on. So it's, it's only one or two races a year that you build your life to. And, you know, that was on top of that, a home championships. There were about twenty to 30,000 people lining the course throughout that day. And the noise was incredible. And I think it just took over me. And normally I'm very level-headed and cool, calm. Uh, I really enjoy racing and I... I and, the moment I stepped onto that race course that day, the nerves had just taken over me. The noise was incredible. And I wish, I wish maybe I'd had a couple more years at, at the front of races under my belt. So I perhaps could have learned how to deal with it a little bit better. Um, but yeah, what will be will be. And, and it sent, sent me into a very interesting next couple of years, really. Well, and that was going to be my next question. You talk about the the nerves entering the the um, the course. What were you feeling leaving the course that day? You know what? I can I can barely remember. I remember doing a couple of interviews. One of the uh, home broadcasting uh, uh, interviewers kind of gave me a hug, as I was just a bit of a bit of a wreck. And then the, my medical staff and coaching staff got me in. I think we. Oh no, we got in a London, like a specific car, and they got me back to the hotel. And, and thankfully, being it just being in London, my parents' house wasn't far away, and we just 
jumped, jumped in a, on the train and headed straight out of London, basically, as quickly as we possibly could. And, for, you know, the next few days, it was just, I was just miserable and, and just so upset because, as I say, you know, for athletes, it's pretty much you live the athlete lifestyle. There's no nine to five. You don't clock off at the end of the day. You're, you're, you perform as well for, for that's your income. You know, I lost a lot of money that day. And, you know, each year, even this year, I've struggled for income. I'm always looking for sponsors. It's so difficult. And so there's so many stresses and worries that go through your mind. How low did you get after that? Well, I kind of, I don't think I realized kind of how low I got, but it, it more started, started the ball rolling of a really torrid time for me. Um, I just, I was just in that bubble of, of failure, I guess. And I was going out partying and I was pushing my family away. I was treating Harry awfully. The person who stuck by me since, you know, since 2011, he's seen me come from a very average athlete to, to, you know, winning races and, and, and competing at the highest level. And so he stuck by me through it all. And so I, I treated him the worst of anybody. And, um, and I, I didn't realize I didn't realize how far away from me I was I was getting how uh, digging myself into some awful holes and uh, you know thank, thankfully the next April April 2018 we had another major championships out here in Australia the Commonwealth Games and so I just focused on that use that as motivation and then the summer as well we had the Europeans and once that was over kind of all came crashing back down to earth again that. You know, I just put kind of all those problems and the issue or the, the, the way I was treating Harry just came back and, and the neglect of my family and friends was, it just continued. And, and, but this time at such an extreme, like, I didn't want to, I just wasn't me. I, I was trapped. I, I felt trapped in this catch-22 of constantly hating the sport, hating myself and hating everybody around me. And I, and I, and I don't know why. And and ultimately, I just thought one day it would be better off if if I wasn't around anymore and, and it would be better off for, for everybody involved. And and after a couple of attempts to take my own life, Harry said, you know what, you need to phone British Athletics doctors and, and get some help. And, and if he hadn't forced me to do that, I don't know whether I'd, I'd even be sat here having this conversation with you or, or, or having carried on with life. What did they do that helped you get through that? Well, they listened. Uh, they tried to figure out kind of what was going on. It took me quite a long time to be honest with them that, you know, I, I, you don't like to admit that you're, you're treating people badly and that you're going out drinking and partying and, and, and uh, you know, not being that good athlete that you should be. Uh, I was doing all the training and I was kind of... Uh, I, it was that problem. I was still committed, but I needed to, I needed a break. I needed to actually spend some time for me. So it was just making me worse. And so ultimately, you know, after some time with Harry and they set me up with a sports, uh, with a, with a psychiatrist and, and gave me a lot of support and, and, and just took it day at a time to, to, to figure out kind of how we can make Tom happy again and, and, and a healthy athlete. And so, a year of working with him, a year of working on my relationship with Harry, well, kind of, 
getting my family back and 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 things are kind of well to be honest things couldn't be better right now what got you know everybody who's in a relationship knows there's the ups and downs and and every relationship has something different that helps them get through those ups and downs what got you and harry through all of that together i don't know I, I i don't know i think the belief that we it sounds silly i think the belief that we, we we've been through a lot anyway in our younger years i think we really um believed we'd, we were meant to be together and spend the rest of our life together it wasn't our relationship that was the problem it was it was me it was it was yeah it was issues with the way i was being because when me and harry were good even in the dark times when me and harry had good days they were great days they were like nothing had changed and we were just it was just tom and harry and and it was perfect and then the next day would be horrendous and and it could be as black and white as that and and so i think that gave us the belief that if i could get myself sorted you know and, and if harry could try and understand and, and as well you know harry's had to make a lot of changes too um then we 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 could get through it and you know that's becoming clear well it's 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 awesome that you're willing to talk about this you know everybody goes through some level of depression in their life obviously yours was was a, was a lot tougher than than a lot of other people's and just glad to have you still here and and willing to talk about it it's it's, it's really great that you're willing to be open about it well i think it's 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 so important i think there's two aspects here of of mental health in sport and one thing for me was i realized just how not how how it wasn't important at all sport isn't important it's an, it's just another career it's a great opportunity that many people don't get and you can't do it half you can't get to the level i have half-heartedly and that's a huge achievement however it's not the be all and end all i won't always be an athlete i will always hopefully be a husband be a father be a be a friend be a son um be a brother and that's what and that's what is important and and i was overlooking that um and i think the other thing is mental health in in men as well of all ages is just it, it's that taboo of not of being the man of being strong and being you know not being able to speak about your feelings at, at, and as we're seeing more and more in the press at, at, and on social media and so on, the awareness of just this, the stats are staggering of how many young, young men are struggling with their mental health. Yeah, and thankfully today we're, we're, we're talking about these things more and, 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 and being more willing to open up and share our feelings because if, if, if you try to go through these things alone, uh, it, more often than not, it's not going to work out too well. Yeah, I can't agree more. I, I think you're, you're, you're dead right. Whether that, you know, hopefully it, do, it doesn't lead to suicide or, or, or self-harm, but, but even just it'll start affecting your family life, the way you are as a person, your work life, 
that that kind of balance in life will, will disappear between personal and, and work and and the enjoyment in life um i think we have to realize just we're, we're not here to work we're, we're, we're born, born to really live and 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 enjoy that and work is just one aspect of it or you know the pressures we feel is is what is one aspect of it and and, and it's so easy to let though whatever you are struggling with or even if it's small small thing become a huge deal and it completely surround yourself in it 24 7 and ultimately what will be will be it's not it's not the be all and end all and I've learned that and I just encourage everybody even at the earliest stage of you've got to worry as soon as you talk about it write it down or confront it if, it, if it's something you can you can confront you'll feel so much better for it and I, and I wish I had done that in looking back at September 2017 that month I could have resolved a lot of things and I didn't well again Tom I'm appreciate you opening up about this uh i need to take a quick commercial break and then we will be right back for more and we're back with olympian tom bosworth so tom i want to turn conversation um a little bit maybe to some some sunnier times uh, <laughs> uh from the past and, and looking ahead. Um, your time in Rio, what stands out to you from your experience at the Olympics in Rio a few years ago? Oh, it was, well, it was my first Olympic Games and so it was just super exciting and and, and really just a once-in-a-lifetime experience and they are the perks of, of what we do. Uh, uh, you know, as I said earlier, that sometimes you, you know you're not always rewarded if you don't win the medal, or there's you know there's very little income and so on. It, it can be tough to be like, oh, why am I doing this? And then, and then you hit the Olympic Games, and and it's just so exciting, and and it's such a great environment, being surrounded by so many different athletes from different sports. You know, not just athletics, but obviously for me, my highlight, my my one thing I take away with. Is, is is my race after you know I was ranked twenty seventh, finished sixth, broke a British record. But of course, that was then followed by quite a quite a uh, accidentally public proposal, which uh, went quite viral. <laughs> well, first I, I do want to talk about that, but let's just talk about the race for a second. What is it that made you exceed so many people's expectations for you? And and my guess you exceeded your own expectations for yourself that day. Yeah, I went in hoping for a top 20 position, uh, place, finish. Um, I led most of the race till about 16K of the 20K. And to be honest, I didn't really. Um, I, it wasn't like my aim was to go off the front or anything like that. It was my aim was to hit this, these certain times. And I just nailed that. And uh, my, my, my second half was faster than my first half. and. Um, yeah, about halfway, I thought, why am I still leading? Where are the Chinese? Where, where are the Japanese? You know, where, where are these guys? What's going on? And we got to 15K and I thought, okay, this is, this is strange. And but still going through my mind then was, oh, I can still finish top 20. And I was leading the Olympics. 
Um, and so my only regret ever of that race is not having the belief in my fitness that perhaps I could have gone on to even better things. I kind of, I remember checking over my shoulder at about 16K because I knew the group, the chase pack of about eight were, were closing on me. I had about maybe 50 meters on them. And I think I was so worried about what was going on behind me rather than what I had left in, in my legs that, that uh, I kind of, get, not gave in a little bit, but at one point I dropped down to nine. And once they caught me in those last few kilometers, and then I thought, what on earth? I've just led the Olympics for, this, for the last 16K, and, and I had more to give. And so I clawed my way back up to sixth place. And, yeah, it was just so exciting. And from that race onwards, I never, ever had doubted my own, my own ability. So much of the conversation, particularly in the United States, between fans and the media is about medals and medal counts. So it, it's, it's interesting and when I talk to most Olympians, they're like this. Their quote-unquote goal is not a medal. Obviously, they would love it, but their goal is to make it to the final heat or top 20. And it's just it's, it, it's, it's refreshing to talk to athletes uh, who, who aren't crushed, you know, that they didn't make, they didn't make a podium. They, they, the Olympics aren't over because... That happened and, and for you finishing sixth and being in this position having this great experience i mean when i asked you your favorite part of the entire olympics this this was it for you despite not winning a medal you you achieved your goal yeah i mean i think that's that's a huge huge problem with um society and 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 well not just sport but anything it's very much but sport because obviously it's it's clearly whoever's first across the line or you know, the most points or the most goals, whatever. It's realising that ultimately on, on that day, three people in the world can win a medal in whatever event or sport you're doing. Three people. And it, it's okay to be the fourth best in the world, the fifth or the sixth best in the world. Uh, I mean, it's still pretty much just as a big achievement as winning is because ultimately the margins are so fine. You're... you're it's not like that the person who won is world-class and the person who was 10th is really average. You're at the Olympic Games, everybody in that race, there were 60 in my race, you know, 60 people qualified, 60 people got picked in the world. That's the 60 best people at whatever sport or event it is. And that's what has to be remembered. So those 60 are then going to be separated, you know, over 100 metres, it'll be by half a second over 20k it might be two minutes or something but that's that's it uh it's not like you're turning up to do a park run where you've got uh, an el elderly gentleman running 30 minutes and you've got a you know ex-olympian winning it in 14 minutes it that that's not the olympics we have it's it's and, that, and that's why it's a shame i mean i i think that's why people struggle with getting sponsors and so on because to society nowadays sixth place or eighth place or fourth place is a failure and it's such a sad sad way of of viewing sport and and you know just becoming an olympian to a lot of people nowadays isn't enough oh oh you're olympian oh but you didn't win a medal um i i, I flew home and even somebody on the flight in, in the cabin crew they asked me how I got on and I said oh I finished sixth uh, and I set a new British record and she turned to me and said oh never mind better luck next time and I just thought that's that what what 
what what did you achieve today went through my head and and then i i just i just thought that's a really that's a real shame that that we can't celebrate an olympian for purely becoming olympian whether you finish last or first well in addition to your accomplishment on the course you also alluded to a, a very public private moment where you and harry got engaged kind of Tell me about the planning stages for that, and how did it get so public? Yeah, well, I mean, I uh, team the Team GB kind of staff they knew about about it because I was I asked them to keep the ring in in their safe, so I had to. Harry sent me strict rules of what engagement ring it has to it had to be, and Harry was pretty sure that I was going to propose um, at Rio, but. As the days went by after the race, we went up to Christ the Redeemer and did some other sites, and it was so busy and it was so packed. It's like, I, I, I said, that's not what I want. So I left it to the very, or Harry's very last day in Brazil and took him on to really, I mean, the picture tells a very different story. It, it looks quite romantic, it looks like a beautiful setting. The wind was blowing, sand was going everywhere. But I was like, you know what, I want to propose on Copacabana Beach. So I took Harry on there with a mate and I said look take a picture because I'm going to ask Harry to to marry me um I had spent weeks planning to get the right ring I'd bought it in Heathrow before I flew out um and yeah then then the moment finally finally came and uh, um yeah he, he said yes and and obviously Team GB knew I was going to do it as I said that they were looking after the ring for me and so they said I'll oh, just send a picture and we'll we'll put it out on our on our social media channels and that sort of thing. It'd be a really nice story. And yeah, it just, it just ballooned from there. It was, uh, I, th- I guess because I had exceeded in my race and then followed it up with this proposal, it just was an all round good story. And, and occasionally a, a real positive story is a nice one up for, for the press and, and they jumped on it. Well, if you remember the, the, that games, a lot of the LGBTQ headlines, and while the athletes were succeeding, there was that whole issue with the straight uh, sports writer stalking gay athletes on Grinder. So I think people were looking for a positive story for the community after that. Yeah, 100%. I mean, uh, yeah, I remember I remember that story very clearly, and it was absolutely despicable. And uh, I'm, uh, I certainly am glad that that journalist did not, come across me <laughs> uh, in the games or, or perhaps I didn't come across him because yeah it wouldn't have been a pretty encounter I think it's probably one of the lowest forms of journalism there is I don't actually believe that's journalism I think that's just terrible so yeah the messages were amazing we had so much support from even from countries like Ukraine and Russia where you know the LGBT community has an awful awful time and so that, that was amazing and a lot of people send me messages even today saying oh i i look for i look for the, i dream for the day when i can be in a happy open relationship like you and i just remind myself of how fortunate i am now as you approach what will most definitely be your second olympic games uh how does your life change leading up to that and 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 what are your hopes for Tokyo? Um, you know, it, it's it's been an interesting year. Uh, 2019 finished kind of on a high. I finished seventh at the World Championships after a year 
obviously dealing with my own mental health issues and um, my back injury. Um, that wrote off half the season for me. Um, and so to come back with, uh, I think, basically pretty much four weeks of normal training in my legs and to finish seventh in the world, I was uh, overjoyed with that. But it also made me realise how, you know, perhaps I don't need to be slogging myself every single day, working at a stupidly hard level, pushing myself every single day this far out. And so even though I'm here now in Australia, I'm just getting some good mileage, some good training done. So you know what? I can then go home at Christmas and spend time with my friends and family and kind of give give myself a mental refresh before we go away again in, in January, February and start competing in, in the spring. Obviously, everything is geared for Tokyo I've been, uh, I finished top eight now at every single major championship there is. So, you know, obviously I'd love, I'd love to get a medal in Tokyo, but I'm of a mindset now that I'm going to train really hard. I've been doing this full time for, this will be my, uh, what, 11th year full time. And so I know what I'm doing. I have confidence in that. And if I do what I do best, then, then I should have a great Olympics. And if if I don't, I know I will have done everything I possibly can. And and I'll be proud of that, happy with that. And and so will my family and, and Harry. And uh, and that's 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 so exciting for me because now I feel very little pressure at all. I'm completely motivated because it's an Olympic season. And so it's just so nice to go into it rather than almost the pressure starting to build already. And I start taking that out on my on Harry or my family. Well, we will certainly at Outsports be cheering for you uh, in Tokyo and leading up to it. Um, and I really appreciate you taking the time today. There are always two questions that I end every interview with. Uh, and the first one is, tell us an Olympian who has inspired you over the years. Could be as, you, as when you were a kid or, or somebody recent. Well, that's a really good question. Oh, goodness. Um, an Olympian that inspired me. Well, uh, I think as I've got to a higher level over, the, over this last half decade or so, what's been really nice is there's been a couple of um, gold medalists who I've become quite good friends with, I've spent a lot of time with. Um, and what I've learned from them is that they are just as weird and as normal <laughs> as me. Um, and that, that's uh, our triathlete, uh, Alistair Brownlee, and uh, the 10,000 metre runner, Mo Farah. And so seeing those guys training and, or, or go, you know, going for a night out with Alistair as we both lived in Leeds, um, it, just, it was just nice to see, you know, Alistair enjoyed a beer. Mo would, you know, uh, he, we would go and eat pancakes after training or whatever. And, and um, it's, it was just... It's just nice to see that they're normal people with, a, you know, with, a, with their own problems and their own kind of quirks. And that gave me the confidence that, you know, they're just another guy and I can also be like them. Yeah, everybody I've learned has problems and quirks. Yeah, 100%. Um, the, <laughs> the second question, and, and hopefully, let me ask you this. Are you a Lord of the Rings fan? Uh, I'm, I'm not, you know, there's not much that I'm, I'm, I'm not a fan of, but Lord of the Rings I've never been able to watch. I mean, I know of it and I know the story, but I'm not. 
Well, the name of the podcast is taken from a line in Lord of the Rings. So uh, it's it's lost on you. So we'll, we'll let you off the hook for that one. Okay, good. All right. <laughs> well, Tom, I, I really appreciate you taking the time. I hope the rest of your training in Australia goes well. And, and have a wonderful holiday with Harry and your family. Oh, well, thanks for having me on. Thank you very much. You never know when you're going to have a conversation with somebody that brings tears to your eyes. And I got to say, talking to Tom, my eyes welled up a couple of times. Uh, incredible struggle for that guy and looking forward to some incredible triumph in Tokyo. You can follow him on Tokyo at Tom Bosworth. It's spelled as it sounds. Next week, we have a really interesting guest. I'm going to... Um, <laughs> leave the mystery out there but it's going to be a conversation that I think will be groundbreaking and you will definitely want to tune back into so we'll talk to you next week